The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 10. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamlety. Last week, we moved indoors and witnessed the arrival of the Danish court, led and addressed by King Claudius. Also last week, I mentioned that the king is never referred to by name within the text of the play, only in the stage directions, which we assume were not being read by the audience while watching the play. There is an argument that perhaps Claudius got his name from the Roman emperor who shared it. The parallel is that the Roman Claudius likewise married a family member, the notoriously wicked Agrippina the Younger. She is rumoured to have murdered Claudius by feeding him poisoned mushrooms, and she was herself eventually killed by her equally notorious son, the Emperor Nero. We won't be covering the Shakespearean deaths by poison until, I'd say, sometime in about 2021, I imagine, but there is a reference to Nero that will eventually crop up a little bit earlier in the play, sometime in Act 3. I think it's maybe a tenuous link, but having spent the whole of the last week wondering about it before I recorded today, I figured I should share nonetheless. It's a theory. In Shakespeare's time, Claudius was considered among the pantheon of depraved Roman emperors long before he was redeemed by Robert Graves. But again, this is a reference that a reader might get, but an audience member probably won't, particularly because, as I seem to be obsessed with pointing out, he's never named in the play. So, King Claudius has launched into his sophisticated speech explaining his marriage to the dead king's wife. There's a kind of regal absolutism to this explanation, as though he's saying, I'm going to mention this today, and then we will not be discussing it ever again. He likewise dispenses with the letter sent by young Fortinbras in Norway. Already an attentive audience member might be thinking that this could turn into a play about this Norwegian hothead, since he seems to be at the top of everyone's list of things to discuss. Claudius is more than a little dismissive of the young man's hope or fantasy of achievement, and we finished last week with his exclamation, So much for him. He now continues, Now, for ourself and for this time of meeting, thus much the business is. We have here writ to Norway, uncle of young Fortinbras, who impotent and bedrid scarcely hears of his nephew's purpose. The king lays out the business for today. It seems that rather than the crown of Norway going to the young man when his father, old Fortinbras, died, it went to his brother, just as has happened in Denmark, as we will learn. Claudius' description here is reinforcing the parallel between young Fortinbras and young Hamlet, who eventually, I promise, is going to show up. Norway, who doesn't get a name, no more than Claudius, I suppose, is impotent and bedridden, but Claudius is writing to him instead of any response to Fortinbras. There's a bit of a feeling of solidarity here between the two brother or uncle kings, as though Claudius is writing just a little note to explain to Norway what his nephew is getting up to, as though nobody else can get through to him. Claudius' speech is, is quite freewheeling in that he interrupts himself somewhat, although the verse is very tightly packed nonetheless. It feels like he's thinking on his feet, explaining his moves to the assembled court. He has written to Norway about the latter's nephew to suppress his further gate herein, in that the levies, the lists, and full proportions all are made out of his subject. In other words, while it may seem collegial and amicable, 
He's in fact sending instructions to Norway. Stop or suppress young Fortinbras and his progress towards Denmark. Since all of the money, the men and the resources that constitute this army he has put together are nonetheless Norwegian subjects and therefore subject to the king's command. If you remember back in episode 5, we talked about Fortinbras's list of lawless resolutes, sharked from the skirts of Norway. Fortinbras's army doesn't sound like they're entirely professional, but they're still on the move and Claudius still wants Norway to put a lid on it. Of course, it's not really like he's in a position to send this message as an email. King at Norway.com wasn't exactly an option. So he has two ambassadors on hand to send to Norway with his letters. I must confess that I love these two, Cornelius and Voltemand. Somehow I've been lucky enough to see some really, really lovely actors in these two roles over the years. In recent times, Cornelius has very frequently become Cornelia, and rightly so. It scans, it's interesting, and if it gives even one more actress a job in the frustratingly male-dominated world of the Shakespeare canon, I am all for it. So, Claudius gives the two ambassadors their brief... And we here dispatch you, good Cornelius, and you, Voltamand, for bearers of this greeting to old Norway, giving to you no further personal power to business with the king more than the scope of these dilated articles allow. This is quite a formal dispatch. He names the two dignitaries, a privilege not accorded to him, let us remember, and explains exactly how much power they have. They are dispatched with no further personal power to negotiate and arrange things with the Norwegian king than the scope of these delated articles allow. As with the missives sent from Fortinbras that Claudius has presumably torn up or something a little earlier, here there's more paperwork and business to be done as he hands over the commission to Cornelius and Voltemand. Now, delated is a tricky word here. The folio says dilated, the quarto dilated. Does it refer to the articles expanded on the pages here, or perhaps to the committed terms they are bringing to the king. Obviously, obviously, somebody has written an essay on the potential for this word, and you can go and find it in the show notes for this episode, as I'm sure, sure you will. Claudia's speech is now winding up, and he concludes with, Farewell, and let your haste commend your duty. This is a proper boss talking to his staff. Goodbye, and please prove your loyalty by how quickly you accomplish this task I've set you. Perhaps it's impressive leadership or maybe passive-aggressive bullying. Obviously, it's in the national interest that Fortinbras be suppressed, so of course it's critical that the ambassadors get to the king and get this resolved as quickly as possible. There's no rancour from them in their reply. In that, and all things, we will show our duty. Claudius replies then, getting the last word and letting them depart. We doubt it nothing. Heartily farewell. The two ambassadors take their leave, and the king moves on to the next item of business. A young man wishes to ask a favour. And, of course, Shakespeare is playing with us by now, and it's not the young man that perhaps you'd think it might be, or should be. I'm going to take a leaf out of his book and leave you hanging too. Join me next week to meet this fine young man and hear what he wants from King Claudius. Thank you very much for listening. And as ever, you can find show notes and links to previous episodes on our website, thehamletpodcast.com. You can subscribe and download the show from wherever you like to get your podcasts, and I'll be back with another instalment next Sunday. 
I hope you'll join me then.